This is Ian Dayborn. Cambridge 105 Radio. Jonathan Needle, he is the volunteer manager of the East of England Ambulance Service. That's our ambulance service here in our part of the world. And they have volunteers. I didn't know that they had volunteers in the ambulance service, but when I caught up with Jonathan, I asked him to tell me how many. So at the moment, we've got over a thousand volunteers. The vast majority of them are in a role called community first responders. So those are people who live or work in a community and they'll respond to 999 calls on our behalf in those communities. Uh, we do have some smaller groups of volunteers. We've got our community engagement group. There's a sort of mid-twenties uh, of those, and uh, they act as like a, a critical friend. Uh, they'll also um, do public events for us. They'll go to schools and public areas and tell the people about what we do as an ambulance service, that sort of thing. And we're trying to sort of increase the volunteering opportunities within the trust as well. So we're looking towards... Um, volunteer car drivers to support our patient transport service and we're even uh, soon going to be looking at something called welfare volunteers who uh, will help look after the crews if they're stuck outside the hospitals provide teas coffees that sort of thing for the crews and just to focus in for a second on the community first responders when you say they they respond to 999 calls that sounds like pretty serious stuff presumably they get some training how does that all work Absolutely, yes. So we we put all the new recruits now through something called an AFROS course, Ambulance Service First Responder on Scene. So it's a a level three qualification. It's nationally recognised. It's a a six-day course that they do. So we do need a bit of commitment from them to undertake the training, but it will prepare them for everything that we, we send them out to. So whilst I say they go out to 909 calls for us, they will go out to very specific ones that uh, we've assessed as safe for them to go to. So they, they tend to be medical emergencies in in the person's home. So things like chest pain, which is uh, indicative of heart attack. It could be a stroke. It could be somebody having a diabetic um, emergency. could be an epileptic type emergency. We don't send them to road traffic collisions. You know, we won't send them to any sort of major trauma events. Uh, we won't send them to um, anybody in labour, childbirth, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, that's quite specialist in itself. Yes. So um, it, it's very tailored what we will send them to, and the course is, is very much around preparing them for those um, emergencies. Just give me a kind of feel for the sorts of things you'll be taking them through when you're training them. Basic life support, CPR, you know, how to uh, do a a primary survey, dangerous response, airway, breathing, circulation, how to approach a casualty, use of some of the equipment that they'll be uh, having like defibrillators, airway adjuncts to help keep the airway open for patients that that might be unconscious, Um, as well as all the um, background knowledge and uh, management skills for those medical conditions that I mentioned. Do you train them in large groups? How many many typically would would be on the it, it, it varies. Um, sometimes um, it can be a, a, a group of smaller six. Sometimes it could be a group of, of 20. So the way the training team manage it is they, they rotate the, the training venues around our region. And it's quite dictated on the venue that we can get. So if we've got a large venue, we can get 20 people in. We'll, 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 we'll get that. Um, but if it's only a small venue with a small room, then again, the course is going to be much smaller. 
if it's six days training, do people have to take yeah. six days straight off work or is it done in their spare time? It used to be that way. Yeah, it used to be that way. And it was, um, it used, well, it used to be done over three weekends, um, you know, Saturday, Sunday, three weeks in a row. What we've done in recent years is we've tried to be a bit more flexible about it. And this uh, was brought in um, around about the COVID time as well, because COVID really pushed us towards doing a lot more remotely. So we do um, a lot of the course remotely now via uh, Microsoft Teams over the internet. So a lot of the theoretical presentations and um, learning can happen online. And there's only really probably about two or three days where they actually have to come face to face now uh, with us to do some of the practical uh, elements of like the CPR and the use of the defibrillator uh, and then for the assessments at the end as well. So we're a lot more flexible with the courses now. We do um, some of it in the evenings online, some at weekends. Some uh, courses are run Monday to Friday uh, through the week. Others are run at weekends. So th there's a wide variety that people can choose from and they can pick and choose what works for them. And do you have a, a higher percentage you pass first time or do some people need to have another yeah, it's a high, it is a high percentage and that and that's not to say it's an easy course it's it's not an easy course it's it's very in in depth um but the training team are very good at delivering it they're they're a very supportive team and will guide people through um the the learning to get them through i mean Yes, there are people who get to retake some of the exams on the day, but the the absolute failure rate is is quite low. Once they've got through their training and they're ready to go, what equipment do they have, and what sort of time commitment do they need to give to to volunteering? So the the practical side of how we've got it set up across the region is we've got the volunteers in groups, usually based around a town or village. And that group is coordinated by a, uh, a team leader within that area. They coordinate that group. They'll have a, uh, a kit bag or maybe two kit bags within that group. And then the volunteers will share that kit uh, amongst them. They'll um, roster themselves on duty and then uh, book on, do a shift, which could be two hours. It could be eight hours. They'll be on call for that period of time. And then our control room will dispatch them uh, via um, a smartphone, which they've now got, and send them out to the calls in their local area. We do need to have some sort of commitment from people. So we do like to have somewhere between 10 and 20 hours a month um, on call. Yes. Uh, and we think that's um, quite achievable for uh, people because it, it could be four or five, five hours a week. So I don't think that's a, a huge commitment to uh, expect from people. This is a fascinating topic, and I think we're going to have to get you back on again to talk about some of the other kinds of volunteering that people can do. If people are listening to this and they want to find out more, want to get in contact, I'll repeat all the information in a few minutes, but tell me how they do that. Uh, we've got a dedicated email address at the moment. Uh, so it's cfr at eastam.nhs.uk. So if people drop us a line via that, uh, we can put them in contact with their local group coordinator who will contact them and uh, talk them through the specifics of how it works in their area. Uh, and then we can start progressing through the application process. I hope you get lots of responses uh, having done this interview. Thank you for your time today. This is Ian Dayborn on Cambridge 105 Radio.